friends, here are a few ways that you can support us by supporting my sponsors. Elmer Garcia, Realtor, and AVS Concepts, Audio and Video Home Entertainment. Those are my sponsors. Go follow them. You can find the information on the description. The other way you can also find out of everything that we're doing is join our newsletter at tbbyalicia.com and that's going to give you all the things that we're talking about everything all the resources all the stuff that you want to know the other way that you can also support us and keep our podcast striving is through joining our global vibes insider community what is that what is the global vibes global insider it is a group where you can come in as an insider and subscribe and join to the community. And it was created for you to inspire you, to educate, to show how you can craft the life you wish to live. It is filled with experiences, including in-person events, business masterminds, speakers, resources. You get shout outs in the podcast. We invite you to workshops. We get to go on local trips and even wine tastings. So how do you get to join that group? So you'll go to my website at tbbyalicia.com, and then you select the community group, and there's three tiers. The first tier is the secret tier. It's for $10, and that includes a T-shirt, a signed book by me, and a shout-out on the podcast, $10 a month. The next tier is the explorer tier, and that is for $25 a month, and it's a T-shirt, a book, and a shout-out. Plus, I'm including a one monthly one-to-one chat with me, and those are monthly one-on-one chats with me. You don't want to miss those. Those are amazing 30-minute one-to-one chats for $25. And the last tier is a $45 Globe Trotter, and that includes all the things I mentioned before, the T-shirt, the book, the monthly one-on-one, the shout-out on the podcast. Plus, you get invite to um members only insider only events a welcome travel gift box you know i bring great things for my travels and also i'm adding a digital style mood board for you it includes styling it includes accessories um everything customized and personal for you again this is how you can contribute and you can be a part of us and you help us keep our podcast thriving i hope you join a episode for you today where we're going to talk a little bit about surviving travel surviving travel in today's time in 2022 we are going to be talking about an article that we found on the new york times and it was such a great article it's um the author is christy corbel and it was published this month in july but when we read it it was so good and we were really intrigued by everything she talked about she's a flight attendant and she's um, talking about how to survive, you know, her, her tips for surviving the travel now. She's been flying for two decades, and um, she says that it's never been as stressful as it is today. And let's talk about what she's, she's giving us as in terms of her tips for 30,000 feet of avoiding airline chaos this summer. If you have been traveling the summer of 2022, you have probably encountered a lot of lines, a lot of... Um, layovers, late late flights. I know we've encountered a few when we were traveling this summer and we, you know, we were wondering what was going on and what's been happening. So this article really goes into a little bit of what's happening in the travel industry. And, um, you know, in terms of what she says, you know, for sure the pandemic has changed flying. Um, she says that, you know, the way that we board planes today 
And the way that we enter the airports, COVID-19 has really changed the experience for all of us. It's created a strain that's made everybody nervous. It's brought about politics. It's brought about um, just just so many people becoming extremely, extremely um, upset about the way the airlines are, are doing things now. We They're short-staffed. They're overworked. The mask mandate has been um, a problem for some people. Some people want to follow it, even though it's been dropped. Um there's just a, there's just been a host of things going on, and you all know that I'm a traveler. I'm a world traveler. My husband and I, Rusk, who's on the podcast today, hello, hello, and because you know I can't have a travel podcast with him. You know, he, he's he's our. Um, are you my resident travel agent, by the way? I think I am a resident <laughs> travel agent by default. <laughs> I think we just kind of grew into those roles as we, uh, you know, evolved. You know, people always ask me how we find the places to travel to, and I always say you find them. I found him because my father used to have a travel agency back in the uh, late mid to late nineties, and I used to sell airline tickets and cruises and packages. And so I learned. I learned from other folks traveling around the world and the destinations, and it kind of stuck with me all these years. And the cool hotels and kind of hidden spots. So that's where I always got my education in terms of where to go, what to see, what to visit. Yeah, and I think that's a great that's a great way for 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 anyone to be introduced to traveling is to really you know find where people are going and what they like about it, and then get their recommendations and head out there as well. You know, and one thing we wanted to talk about as well is um, travel etiquette. So we're going to do a little bit of travel etiquette, and we're going to bring a little bit about like how you should behave yourself when you're traveling because we find that a lot of people get very very upset over little minute things and you've got to remember that airlines right now are short-staffed and they're overworked well traveling can be a stressful experience and some of my friends that tell me that they don't like to travel they don't like the stress that goes with traveling but i always counter and say well it's the destination you're going to unfortunately it does take a little bit of stress getting through the security the long lines the delayed flights, the lost baggage. But, I, you know, the benefit always supersedes the pro, always supersedes the con in, in this particular situation. And where you're going, once you get there, you always kind of feel like it's better than having to deal with all that because it's not all the time. It's, it's just some of the time. So I think what we had come across this article in the New York Times the other day, and I think it has a lot of good tips to helping travelers out there manage the stressful environment, particularly post-pandemic. And what the article focuses on is how to make your stress, make your, I'm sorry, make your trip less stressful right. after the pandemic because the airlines honestly are catching up. They furlough, they, they, they let go a lot of uh, former employees when they obviously the planes were grounded. A lot of early retirement packages is from what we're reading. And now as soon as the masks were lifted, there was this influx of people getting back on the plane. Right. It was kind of like a green light psychologically in everybody's head. We can go back. The COVID restrictions are being loosened around the world. You don't have to have a COVID test to travel anymore domestically. You don't have to have a COVID test to come back to the United States. There are a few pockets of countries that still require them, but the major travel destinations, particularly in Europe and in uh, South America, they're no longer requiring the travel. And so what, what she refers to, for example, is because that there are this high demand and low supply situation going on in the availability of flights is to book early. 
find a flight that's early in the morning. Don't find a flight later in the afternoon. And there's two reasons for that. One reason is, is that most flights don't get canceled in the morning because there's an available uh, supply of flight attendants, ground crew, and pilots because most of them are re- are achieving that that 12 to 16 hour window that the FAA requires that they get rest. And then the other the other argument was is that if you take a flight earlier in the morning as opposed to the afternoon, especially in the summer, less chances of getting delayed by a storm. Not a meteorologist, but when I remember from ninth grade or eighth grade science classes as the heat uh, builds up during the day, you get these afternoon storms that tends to delay right. flights. So. And she says that if you're going on a cruise, leave the day before and count right. it as a vacation day. Yes, leave the day before. Don't go this exact day that you're um, yeah. getting on the cruise. Right. Like Go the day before, consider it part of your vacation, maybe right. stay at a hotel. Explore and the city. Explore the city. Have a drink. Mm-hmm. Right. And that yeah. way you don't stress out about getting there because after out. all, ultimately, as everyone knows, it's a vacation. It's supposed to be an <laughs> anti-stressful <laughs> environment and you're getting away from the daily grind, from the daily stresses. And so why make it stressful getting somewhere? Mm-hmm. Why wait till the last minute to do something? Exactly. And then you miss your cruise and then... You find out you missed your friend's wedding, you missed your brother's wedding, you're late to, you know, something personal. She's suggesting to obviously, and and it seems common sense, but, you know, before the pandemic, it was a little bit more efficient, but now it's less efficient in terms of uh, on-time arrivals, on-time departures. So she's suggesting that you leave earlier in the day. That way you don't stress getting there. Yeah. And, And then she's also suggesting that if you can take a direct flight. Yes. And if you can... Don't uh, book the, the seats in the back of the plane because it's not their job, the flight attendants, to rearrange. Everybody can sit together. And she also does mention that if the flight is booked and there are no takers mm-hmm. for uh, compensation to take a later flight, the folks that booked their flight uh, with the least economic fare are the first to get bumped off, the, high, the most highly restricted fares. So you're going from the back of the plane, the front of the plane, uh, they're the first to go, and you're for the first. You're the last to check in of the restricted flights. They have a log of when you check in, and you're typically the first to get off, get kicked off the flight. Wow, so yeah. it, it seems logical. I mean, it's it's just a market capitalistic approach where you pay more, you get better service. You pay less, you get you know less service. Right, exactly. So, so fly direct. Yeah, fl- and fly direct. And if you can, if you can't fly direct. Because of a ground crew shortage and also because of the the crew that handles the baggage, there's also a shortage there as well. She's uh, suggesting or recommending that you carry on. Buy yourself mm-hmm. a, a slightly smaller uh, carry-on bag. We just did that because we're, we're taking a couple trips, and one of them requires a flight change in New York. As much as I like the bag, I'm thinking right. about how in but, the world I'm going to fit on my but we, in there. We, we had a, we had a couple friends, at least you traveled through <laughs> Europe, trying to yeah. get to other destinations, one in Africa and one in the Middle East, and their bags got lost. They and did. it was a nightmare. And it was three days before they got their bags. And, you yeah, know, it's, no, an that's little, a nightmare. It's, it's inconvenience either way, mm-hmm. whether you lose your bags and for three days, or you take a slightly smaller bag and pack less and kind of make it work with what you got, exactly. but carry the bags with you, and then you don't have to worry about it. So that's unfortunately the realities of traveling at this moment. Of so, course. babe, what am I going to do with all my travel photos that I want? What oh, am I going to well, do? You just, 
You just, we're just going to have to take less of them. No, we're going to take this, the photos with the same outfit. You have to take the photos day. with the same outfit. You can, we can you do know, that too. But she also said, you know, if you're going to fly direct, to make sure that you give yourself, if you're going to do a layover, or if you're going to do a layover, not just when you fly direct, but if you're going to do a, lo- a layover, give it at least three hours. Yes. Critical. Of a layover, right. which makes a ton of sense. You know, even though sense, right. sometimes I'm a little annoyed with you when you do that to me because yes. I'm like, oh, why am I waiting here for three hours? Right. But it does make sense because we've we've but, been in those predicaments. But the day is lost anyways. If, yeah. No matter where you're really traveling, whether you're going domestically for two-hour flight or four-hour flight, you need at least two. You got to be at the airport two hours before. You got to wake up two hours before that. And then, you know, by the time you get off the plane, you got your luggage, you get into an Uber, taxi, or tr- some form of transportation, you get to the hotel, you've already lost seven to eight hours, even on the shortest flights, domestic. We're not even talking about international flights. So why, why, what difference does it honestly make? Yeah, if you're, yeah. If you're, you're going to leave a little harder. If, you, if, you, if it's a 90-minute or 60-minute layover versus a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour flight where you can make the connection if you have to, then I say Do go it. for it. Right? Yeah, three hours at least. I must tell you, I know the place to go if you need house audio, TV installation, security monitoring. I am telling you, these people are so, so good that I cannot wait to share them with you. AVS Concepts is the place to get all of these things taken care of. They're the experts in audio video. If you are entertaining and you need music, call them. If you just purchased a new house and you want to have security, you've got to call them. They are the best at all of this for you. I am so excited to share them with you. They are new sponsors for the podcast. You will not not regret having them in your house. They can put anything up and create the most amazing surround sound. I am telling you, when I watch my movies, I like to watch them with surround sound. And thanks to AVS Concepts, I can do that. Follow them at their Instagram account, AVSC underscore HTX, or you can also find them at their website, avcschouston.com, and tell them that Alicia from Vines by Alicia sent you, and they will take care of you, I promise you. Um, what kinds of things can you just tell somebody who's just getting started? Maybe one of you, you know, somebody's like, oh, I want to do it, but it seems hard. What is like one thing that you can contribute and say, okay, you can do this. It's not that hard. Maybe one tip. What's a good tip? I think if, if you like shopping, mm-hmm. this is like the best job in the world. You get, especially if you like deals. But, and yeah, it's it's not hard at all because I for me, it's just I'm shopping for myself. There's a lot of things I come across at the thrift store that I wish were my size, and those are the best pieces to list on Poshmark and maybe create a brand for yourself or create a certain aesthetic. Um, just shop for yourself. Pick up yeah. things that you wish were in your size. And just starting off with one piece from your closet is another great way to start. And then once you make that first sale, it's so addicting. So just slow and steady wins the race. And over time, um, you can, yeah, make a lot of money. I paid off my student loans with, um, yeah, I I did it. So um, you can too. It just takes um, one one sale at a time. And the other thing is that um, it's really a great thing for moms, right? Because it really does help you to stay home and you're just, basically shipping things out. Um, how are y'all sourcing your materials? Is it basically from your closet or are you guys going out there and maybe purchasing things? 
Yeah, first started out with my closet, um, and then I, I've always been like thrifting, and then during the pandemic, everything was shut down. So yeah, started out with my closet, and then once everything opened up, I went thrifting and started reselling from there. Okay, cool. And anybody else? Or you? Yeah. Um, I also started with my own closet. Like I said, I, I'm a single mom, and so at the time, I didn't have money to like go out and necessarily source, um, and that's kind of changed. Um, I kind of source a little bit of everywhere, um, but I'm totally a bins girl, so um, I do a lot. I do a lot of bins sourcing um, and just your your normal thrift stores. So yeah. So what's been the best part about Posh Fest 2022? Being with friends, right? Yeah. Connecting yeah. with everybody, yeah. Yeah. meeting other people of like like-minded. Because I feel like this is a great place for those of us that really consider how consumption really can affect the earth, right? I feel like mm -hmm. that's something that we all kind of like talk about. And yesterday, N Natalie was mm -hmm. really, really good about, you know, kind of pointing out how how much damage we do mm -hmm. to our earth when we throw things away, especially fashion is a number two polluter, mm -hmm. right? So how do we encourage more people to, to be more conscientious about uh, what's going out in terms of when they're shopping? I think it's just about embracing what already exists. Mm -hmm. So if there's, you know, if you see something on one of the fashion websites, fast fashion or department stores, whatever you're shopping on, take a second to go check a secondhand site first to see one, if you can get a better deal and two, if you can help save the planet a little bit more. Cool. I just met yesterday this startup company, Benny, B-E-N-Y, B-E-N-I. Yes. And that is a Google extension or like a, a, crown, a Chrome mm -hmm. extension that you add to your internet browser. When you're on a retail site, it will pull up options uh, from oh, like Poshmark. Wait, wasn't that not you who I was? Mm -mm. Okay, I thought it was you. Um, yeah, so you can see like which, which options are available like on eBay, on Poshmark, secondhand, like all the Depop, all the like secondhand platforms, the reselling platforms. It will show you when you're on like a Patagonia website and you're like looking for a Patagonia jacket, the same one will be available for cheaper secondhand. Yeah. Yeah, what do you say to people that say, I don't want to wear somebody else's clothes, like that's already been used, like, you know, it, it kind of gives the, the connotation that you're poor, mm -hmm. so, you know, poor people would always go thrifting because they couldn't afford something. How, what can you say to someone that feels that way, like, why would I want to wear something somebody's already worn? Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of uh, tend to be a little preachy about it, and that can be really off-putting to someone who already <laughs> kind of doesn't like the idea. So I make sure that whenever I get a compliment, I say, thanks, it's thrifted, or thanks, it's secondhand, and really elevate like the positive aspects of it, and that it's more stylish, and that you won't show up to an event wearing the same thing <laughs> as someone else. Right. Well, it could be considered vintage sometimes, right? And oh, isn't that yeah. fun when you yeah. go vintage shopping and you find something that's like super like elusive that you've mm -hmm. never thought you would find that's like super fun <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's what you're wearing yeah my jumpsuit is from the 1960s so yeah, yeah. oh my gosh cool. so all of you are y'all wearing thrifted clothing here yeah. at yes. posh fest yes. yeah so am i um is the stuff that you're wearing now things that are on your closet that you're selling not yet no no not yet. <laughs> so so how long does it take before you put it up on the on the on your closet on your poshmark closet like how many times will you wear something just depends yeah. on what it is yeah. okay yeah, yeah. there's no yeah. like my real no time myself is like if i didn't wear it last season i'm probably not going to wear it next season so yeah. it should probably just go in my poshmark yeah. closet yeah. Yeah. and do y'all buy as much from poshmark as y'all sell on yes. poshmark i would say yeah i love shopping on poshmark it's great to be able to kind of just turn around and use my credits or my, my profits to purchase something that i need for my business or source on there or do any of that stuff so it 
I think Poshmark is such a diverse platform with so many different opportunities to shop secondhand and it's so yeah. fun. So just check it out if you haven't. I thrift a lot, but I would say if you maybe don't have the opportunity to thrift, like maybe you have mm -hmm. a full-time job or you're a mom, Poshmark is a great option to like get really great deals mm -hmm. on really great brands and really great styles mm -hmm. at an affordable price and you're shopping sustainably. Yeah, for sure. And there's designer stuff on, on Poshmark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think it's like stuff that you would normally throw away and if somebody's trying to sell it, it's not. It's actually some really good designer stuff. Mm -hmm. I just bought the best purchase was a pair of Alexander Berman shoes that mm -hmm. I've been like following looking mm. for the sale and this lady <laughs> just posted them saying. on Poshmark and I was like boom I'm like I've got to get them before she sells them they were like yeah. my size and I don't yeah. find stuff in my size that much yeah. because it sells so much and there's such a it's such a demand for size seven yeah. um, but I was like so excited I could not I could not <laughs> yeah. like this is like the best thing yeah. ever we're gonna go into something a little bit more um, Stuff that, I don't know if it's like a big deal for most people, but it's something that's been in the news a lot lately. It's the whole uh, Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen divorce. And I bring it up because it's something that brings up uh, relationships and marriages and something that I saw in, in one of the articles and it said that the problem for them has always been that Giselle always felt like she was being supportive of his career. And now when he was finally retiring, it was going to be her turn to kind of take on her career back and be the, the, the person that she's always been, that model, that supermodel, that brand, that influencer. And he reneged on their deal, you know. So uh, that was something as a woman, as a wife, that like I can understand why she's pissed. Yeah, I didn't understand the dynamic at first because, uh, I mean, I, Tom Brady, yeah, big football player. And just from football, like you understand, even even if you're in the league for five years, which is probably typical for most people, what Tom Brady's been in for the last, like, 25 20, years, yeah. like over 20 years, yeah. like even within, like, a five-year period or even one-year period, it's massive amount of time away from home, away from family, and putting your body through all sorts of, you know, rigor, the rigors of football, which I think we should right. probably address that in some other way. Um, but, you know, thinking like, oh, my husband's going to come home and maybe, like, we can be more together as a family right. or I like you said that she could have the opportunity to pursue to pursue her, her passions. Dreams, yeah. So I did not know mm -hmm. that she was a Victoria's Secret model. You or didn't like, know that? Yeah. As someone that Where worked have at you Victoria's been Secret. Oh, oh, and you you work at Victoria's Secret, <laughs> yeah. Jamal Mattis. Yeah, great, I, great. I, okay. I worked there, but yeah. How did you find out? Uh Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I like because like when I when I heard oh about the, the divorce happening, I'm like, yeah, she probably just wanted him to be home because, you know, 20 years or however long they've been married, just not being at home. But like understanding yeah. that she was the one that was actually bringing in more money. No, she was the one making the yeah, most money. Yeah. So more like, money in the. <laughs> that's crazy to me. So. Listen, yeah. Giselle had a career even before Victoria's Secret as a top oh. model, a supermodel yeah. in Europe oh. with the big name brands, the big designers. She was huge. I think you should go on YouTube and find her because she was very prolific before she even met Tom. Mm. So she's got a she's that girl's got a big bank account. Yeah, I yeah, I'm starting to see the 
bigger yeah. picture and a now. huge influencer in brazil mm. huge influencer yeah, in brazil okay. i mean she walked the runway at the brazilian the brazilian uh, uh olympics mm. a few okay, years ago okay. and she did the most beautiful runway walk it was probably a 10 minute walk it was so long oh. but she did it all by herself and it's just like that's that's how iconic she is in brazil so as iconic no as idea. Tom is here, you know, and I think it's 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 something that we should definitely discuss as relationships grow and relationships mature and you've been married 10, 15 years. There's there's power dynamics that happen. You know, for the first 15 years of our relationship, Rusk was the one that was like really honing in on his job and like making sure that we were saving as much money as we could. And like for me, being that supportive wife and always being the one that, you know, took care of the house, took care of the, you know, whatever needed to be done with the kids because he was consumed with, you know, 60, 70 hour weeks of work. Mm. And when I started wanting to do my stuff because my kids were already in middle school, the dynamics shifted. Like he became the other side. He became the supportive husband. He was like, you know, I need, what do you need from me now? Mm. Which was a really beautiful thing that we did for each other because he knew that for the longest time I had been nothing but supportive and nothing but like, but I'm ambitious too. I'm very driven too. I have a career. I have a master's education. So I have a lot of things that I've accomplished before I even met him. So for us to have that shift, but it was something that we agreed upon and I would have been so pissed if he would have said, no, not yet. It's not time. Let me go back and do what I've been doing. Even though we've already agreed that, it was my turn to go and focus because, you know, and why do we take turns? Because it's intense. When you're running a business, it's an all or nothing. Really, it is. It is 24 hours, seven hours, seven days a week. It's really intense. So that's why I think you take turns, especially when you have kids. Somebody kind of has to be around for them. And, and I see why she's looking at divorce as an option now because yeah. I would be really, I mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just understanding that all relationships have rhythms and, you know, you want to be supportive of your significant other. And maybe at certain times it doesn't make sense or at certain times, like, you know, if, if I were to start pursuing one thing and I had a partner that was like, okay, well, while you do that thing, yeah. I will support you. Yeah. But then, you know, I, it can't just be that it way the, be. the mm-hmm. whole time. Mm-hmm. If she wanted to pursue yeah. something else, you know, later down the road, I'm be like, well, I mean, I'm still doing my thing. <laughs> and like, you, you know, I, was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I just, yeah, she was probably either they had a conversation or maybe there was just an expectation of like his football career is going to be over at some point. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. that would be either the next stage of their relationship or just a chance for her to do more of the things that she wasn't able to do while yeah. they were married and yeah it's not fair for for him to just take the whole spot the right. spotlight mm-hmm. and just the entire focus especially when he said he was going to retire and right. then he's he like, had retired yeah he, he retired. had retired and then he's like just kidding yeah <laughs> and literally back. a month later and and i think it's because russ says it he doesn't know how to do anything else yeah. Football has been his life, his whole his whole life has been everything to him. So it's scary if you haven't done anything else to kind of jump into. But you're a father, too. So maybe embrace that role as a dad. You're a husband, too. Maybe embrace that role as a supportive husband. There's other things that you have you can be good at. Football is not everything. Yeah, I think it, that that probably comes around with a lot of um, 
sports type of uh, careers or anything that's kind of you're doing even straight out of high school yeah. or like just being able to dedicate that time. I mean, even with her, like modeling is not necessarily something that you can do your entire life. And so you like, you know, you have a specific rhythm and a specific timetable to do that. And for football, he's lucky he was able to do that for 20 For as long years. as he did. And, and he has Super Bowl rings. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's not won a Super Bowl ring and is still pursuing that Super Bowl. And I get it. He's he's one of those people like Michael Jordan that is intense about what they do. Um, Tim Grover calls them cleaners. You know, they clean out. They clean out. And, um, you know, they're at a different, different level. They're goats. Yeah. So I understand that. But she's a goat in her own right. Friends, I want you to meet my favorite bilingual realtor, Elmer Garcia. You all know that a passion of mine is real estate investing, and having a great realtor by your side is essential. Elmer knows the city of Houston like the back of his hand, and not only is he highly regarded by his clients, but also by the professionals in his field. I can tell you from experience that he is attentive, trustworthy, thorough, and detail-oriented. He knows what I like, y'all, and seeks out opportunities for finding the right property for me. His services range from residential real estate to commercial and investment. He will guide you the entire way. I can tell you that. You can email him at elmerg.realtor at gmail.com or call him at 832-512-5752, or you can also find him on Instagram, elmergarcia underscore real estate. And don't forget, anything real estate is his forte. One thing, one thing they can definitely invest in, like you say, that needs to be done. What area right. of the home? What oh. area of the home? Oh, kitchen or restaurant. Ah, kitchen or restaurant. Because we know, you know, I have a wife, you have a wife. <laughs> They have the last say so on the house we're going to buy. Let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. If you're out there shopping for a home, I I, I don't concede to much in this world. (laughs) You do concede to that. Sometimes, but I I have a big mouth too. I say say investing in the the kitchen and the restrooms. The kitchen, right? And the restrooms. Correct. You'll get more return on on, on that. I always tell people look, uh, uh, slap up. Code of paid makes a I love it. You know, one thing that has always sold our restrooms when we do our flips is the lighted uh, mirror. LED mirrors. LED mirrors. Oh my God. People love those, especially if like they're women and they're doing like their little Instagram account and they're doing that, that, uh, their makeup tutorials. Those are amazing. And uh, I think every single house that we flip has those LED mirrors. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and it, because you know it's kind of like a built-in personal thing. For yes, like a little vanity. It's like a vanity, 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 vanity yes. Yeah. Right. Yes, but the great lighting, just for you. Great lighting, makeups, great lighting. And, and they're and they're not expensive. That you There's can get not, you yeah. can get them on Amazon for like a hundred bucks, maybe hundred twenty dollars. You know, electrician out there it. for not that much more, and they hook it up for you. Yep. Yeah, that's that's so one of the kitch, things. So that we kitchen and restrooms. Yes. It's in the restrooms. Well, uh, I guess it makes sense because that's kind of probably where you spend most of your day anyway. Correct. <laughs> correct. You know, no, no, that is true. That is true. I mean, women spend a lot of time in the kitchen and, you yeah. know. And the men in the restroom, meaning the financial ties. Men get the restroom or, or, or want to have that peace and quiet. <laughs> that peace and quiet. No, but yeah, I, I always tell my, my sellers that we want to list a home. Make sure you invest on the things that are going to give gotcha. you the best return on, 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 your, on your investment. So, yeah. yeah. I love that. That's a great advice. It's something that definitely needs to happen. 
So, Elmer, let's just get into some little, uh, one fun question, just because some I'm obsessed. <laughs> just because I'm obsessed Elmer with all the real estate. Elmer admitted uh, off, <laughs> offline. What? He's a cheesemate kind of guy. Oh, he's a cheesemate kind of guy, yeah. God. I love the cheesemate. You know you love your, your cheesemate, too. Uh, his, uh, uh, his wife okay, is probably Russ, Russ will say this, but Russ is just as obsessed as I am on the real estate shows, like Million Dollar Listing, oh, God. Selling <laughs> Sunset, Selling OC. Russ loves him as much as I uh, do. I admit it. You do. I I don't know about the selling sunset. I'll tell you why, because that's extremely superficial to me. I know. It's, it's know. So, so superficial. It's just but like the million dollar listing New York and oh, LA you love. You right. know Flag, you know Altman, because you know those, those guys, Frederick. Those guys are real. <laughs> even and not just those guys. I mean, even what's her name? Tracy. Tracy, Tracy right. They're, they're fantastic. They get into the trenches, they do the negotiating. Do you think they portray realtors realistically, Elmer? Oh God, no. <laughs> no, no, right. no uh, at the end of the day we have we have to we have to understand it's actually a show guys right it's a show right yeah. yes i love watching them i am a victim of all these shows can never get into selling sunset it's just too much of a drama show what, yeah, what about what about what about when you encounter the realtors what, what about when you sell like a home in west U? you sell a home in reverse because that's when we yeah. see those shows like million dollar listings beverly hills we, that's our connection is like we think of those realtors because there's there's like these you get this list of yeah. realtors that sell the million dollar homes in Houston. They come out every year. It's the same three or four people all the time. What Martha, the Martha Turner's? Martha Turner's. <laughs> now, now it's Douglas Elliman, I think, Douglas right? Elliman, they, they, yeah. Right. And it's but that's not the case, right? Even those people that sell those homes. I mean, do you those people that sell those homes? That's not how it is on TV, right? No, God, no, no. You know, every time I watch these shows, I always get a laugh <laughs> at it, right? Because right. Uh, I watch all these shows from the beginning of HGTV. Everybody watches HGTV. Oh, and, yeah, and, yeah, and, all and, the uh, rehabs and, and flips. And, right, yeah. and, and those are the shows that just... And get, they make it look so easy and fun. They and they're it, not easy and fun. <laughs> but, but, but it can be. It can be it fun. Can it can be, can but be they're easy, usually not. But they make it seem like it's just from A to B, and that's right. just not true. Right. There's times where they sit here on TV and negotiate for the client, which is something we as realtors never negotiate for our clients. Right. We always have to consult with our clients and we legally. Legally. legally, exactly. Right, right. Legally. Even if you get a bullshit offer exactly. for hundred thousand less than the price, exactly. you legally are obligated to reach out, right? Yes, right. yes. Uh, yeah. These shows do not depict what right. what we go through as a day to day uh, 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 day as a realtor. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, watching all these million dollar sales in LA and yeah. New York and yeah. so forth. But uh, yeah, yeah. no, they don't do a great job of depicting what our lives are on a right. day-to-day basis right. I, I think, think I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of those shows leave out the the weeds of their of their work right they'll 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 bring out a, a 20 million dollar home or 75 million dollar home out there in beverly hills somewhere it's like wow look at this and it's an amazing beautiful home and of the course. developer did a great job but what they don't show you is all the other shit they sell in between they'll get that 175 million dollar home a year or every two years or 120 million then they got all these three, four hundred thousand dollar houses that never makes it on TV. No, no, God, no, they won't. You know, and again, right? Again, I always tell my clients, it's a show. show uh, they right. always want to put the biggest and <laughs> right. brightest and the most 
expensive. But the problem is that the show's influential. It really and is. And then we all think that our realtors should be just like those people, right? <laughs> hey, look, I can tell you something right now. You know, it's up to the realtor to educate the clients. Look, it's right. not an HGTV it's type not of HGTV, scenario. Right. You always this have is the real world. world. Exactly. I love that. And I think the one thing we definitely take from these shows are the design ideas. Yes. Oh, one thing we yes. definitely take from these shows, Rusk and I have been able to implement in a few in a few ways, is the design ideas, the way they go about... Um, redesigning a restroom and redesigning a kitchen to make it look luxe and um and expensive without spending a lot of money yes. and so that's something that we definitely take on when we do our flips and our designs is like we look at those shows in terms of inspiration it really isn't uh to live life them it's really like to be inspired what they're doing and right. how, and how they're achieving things yeah inspirational for sure that's one thing right i know that i've i've, I've changed I changed from when I was I wasn't a realtor. My favorite shows were the million dollar listings and and the LAs. And now that I'm a realtor, now I'm more in the on hands type property brothers or the fixture yeah, upper type shows. Correct, yeah. because that that actually is more of what I do on a day to day basis. Yes, I one day would love to sell nothing but million dollar homes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hopefully down this down the line, but uh, yeah, I like the smaller shows that depict where our actual day to day life is as a realtor. So yeah. Sure. But, I love even, that. but even in the million dollar homes, Elmer, you would probably admit that, that though that may seem sexy, there's a whole different set of challenges. Oh, I mean, it comes with that. It comes yes. with that because we had we had done some flips in the higher price market area, mm -hmm. whole different, the uh, whole different uh, set of clientele. It's buyers. a niche market. It's, it's a, a niche, very, it's it's a a very niche, market, niche market. Right. Correct. And and instead of doing, you know, instead of uh, selling homes, I got I can sell five in a month at two hundred thousand dollars. You're going to sell this one million dollar home. It's going to take three to four months because the folks that can afford that price point are definitely more discerning. Definitely more. Actually, we have I have a friend that's an investor and he has a one point six million dollar home out mm -hmm. there near Briar Oaks mm -hmm. by that uh, Ridge Carlton, whatever it's called now. And uh, he was telling me. I said, so I said, you had open house, and I was asking him, I said, so what, what are these buyers looking for? Well, they want to know if they have a mosquito spray system in the back of your house. Oh. They, they want to know if the house has an elevator. They want to know if the uh, if, if it comes with the pool service. It's like, oh, my God, these things aren't even, the, I'm doing these homes for $200,000. <laughs> no, that doesn't um, even roof, go to the roof AC foundation. Yeah. Mosquito <laughs> Those are the challenges that yes. we don't have to worry about when you're dealing with a $200,000 home or even a $300,000 home, right? you got to be kidding me, right? They it's want a mosquito He goes, well, you know, it's they can afford a $2 million home. They want that. episode for me was about not only Hispanic Heritage Month, was about exposing the reasons why a lot of Latinas are doing the business the way they're doing business for themselves. I think it's a different way of how we're doing business. I think for us, it's, um, it's very much in tune with what's in our heart, right? And our purpose in our life. It's not just a business to make money. It really has a purpose and there's like a big picture. I feel that. So, you know, the reason why I wanted to bring y'all is because I wanted to discuss how your family and your heritage shaped your perspective and changed um, how you influence and how it's influenced you, how they have influenced you. Um, so let's start with Gabby of Miradela. I have a few um, things that I want to, you know, get to know a little bit about you. So welcome to the podcast again. Thank you so much for making the time to be here. We are starting a Hispanic Heritage Month. It is September 15th and then goes through what august 5th uh, october october 15th right mm -hmm. so i think it's like a month 
in there and i i find that um for me it's just like a way to introduce the world to to you guys and you guys to the world so thank you for being here so miradela and sweet like pan dulce so you know one of the things that you mentioned in your in your website is that you wanted to make it feel like home exactly right so and it's and something that celebrates your cultura something that's very important to you I especially love your chiflada tea, which I'm wearing. <laughs> I love it. I love it because I definitely am a chiflada. My husband says, you're the most spoiled woman that I've ever met. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, I sure am. And, no, you know, no shame. But um, how did you come to embrace the word chiflada? And why is that like a big, you know, I think it's like one of those 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 identifiers. It Whenever is. somebody sees it, oh, yeah, I know where you got that. It's so funny. I feel like... Um, People that don't know the meaning of chiflada, and when I do explain it, uh-huh. they are like, you know what, I do know somebody that's spoiled or I'm spoiled <laughs> that way. So it's definitely brought either like non-speaking, you know, Spanish speakers together. Um, but with the history behind that, me growing up, I was the youngest of two um, sisters. Okay. And so I was always... I guess getting my mm-hmm. way with things, mm-hmm. and that's where my nickname kind of came about, being a chiflada or being called chiflada. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely something I grew up as a child and, you know, in a Mexican household with both right. of my parents being from Mexico. And um, I wanted, and that was actually one of my first designs I came up with, with Miradela. And I wanted it to be something that I connected with. And I always think, you know, when you come out with a product, you have to truly believe in it. And you know, right. like you said, it's not all about making the money. It's about making that connection and making, it has to feel special, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I came out with that design, I was like, you know, I think I'm really onto something. And then I released it. That was like almost five years ago. And I released it in that mug and so many people connected with it. Like you can love that with mm-hmm. that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's something fun and it's nothing to be like, like mean about you know mm. and um there's you know there's some there's some people that kind of um say that it's kind of like a, something mean but it's not no it's something like a word of endearment i've kind of feel you know yeah and um but yeah so just like you said mm-hmm. my my products and my brand i want it to connect how i felt growing up with my family and i feel like my customers have that connection yeah they have relatable stories or um, if they see like things in my store or my brand like pan dulce or just little items that kind of just connect us in that way of how we were raised growing up and um, but yes and I always have to say like with sweet like pan dulce I always felt like growing up going um, to my mom's or mm-hmm. to my grandma's house, mm-hmm. there was always somebody that brought it, right? And it kind of just brought up that connection of people together. Right. And that's another reason why I either I started the podcast and then the podcast grew into the market, the event. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, it was it grew into like 50 vendors. We have hundreds of people that come yeah. together for Pan Dulce. And yeah. And it's like a bigger celebration rather than having it at home, but it's a huge celebration with a bigger family now. You yeah, know? because I find mm-hmm. that a lot of people connect to it. They connect yeah. to those words. Mm-hmm. They connect to those things. And I know for Gabby, for Gabby de la Rosa, um, the word chingona was like, it's a badass. And yeah. I feel like, 
you know, when we were growing up, mm -hmm. like my dad would would call me cabrona all uh -huh. the time. He would say like, ay, Alicia, no seas tan cabrona. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't derogatory. No. It wasn't like like he was telling me like calm yeah. down, like shut up. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. saying that. He would just laugh at it like, yeah. oh, there you go again, like being you know intense, like you always are, like leave people alone, yeah. don't be so cabrona. But I love Gabby. Let's talk a little <laughs> bit about her chiflada <laughs> word and your cab your chingona word. Mm -hmm. Why was that like an important? Because that's that was like the title of your of your blog it was texas chingona right okay so how are we embracing these words that at one point you know for some people were like don't call me that like i don't want you to call me that but we we're like hell yeah i am yeah. right that's who i am well i think that a lot of these words are cultural identifiers mm -hmm. when you grow up this way when you grew up in a certain part of mm -hmm. for us texas south texas um it's they have their own meaning and even in Mexico, chingona is, it just means you're a badass, mm -hmm. powerful woman. Mm -hmm. If you know the true meaning of the word, it's not, um, if you look it up in like Urban Dictionary, yeah. it's a little graphic. <laughs> but, um, but I embrace it as, you know, yeah, I'm a badass woman and this is who I am and this is who I want to follow me. So the women, and I believe me, even with chiflada, mm -hmm. because chiflada has an alternate meaning. It yeah. can mean like you're crazy. Yeah, I've heard that many times. But growing <laughs> up, chiflada was you're spoiled. Yeah. Like it was kind of like cute, like yeah. you know. Um, so the way that I always thought about it when I got negativity was okay, if you mm -hmm. think of it that way, mm -hmm. or if you think chiflada means something bad, mm -hmm. then you're not my audience, and that's okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's okay. Guaraches, which mm -hmm. is spelled G-U-A-R-E-X-E-Z, which, by the way, the X is a C-H sound. Yeah. Ch -ch sound, which, by the way, I was just in Spain, and they use the X as a ch sound as well. So it's, it, it, I'm, I'm guessing it's carried from, from Spanish. Yeah, no? so it's like a little trabalenguas. Uh, I love it. It's a tongue twister. Yeah, trabalenguas. And, and also, yeah. we play with the sounds. So I was like, I initially started selling guaraches, and guaraches is spelled with the H, you know, yes. the H sound. And I was like, okay, let's, you know, use the same word, but in a different, you know, yes. spelling it. And it came out cute. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect because even pe even people who don't know, that is really how the X is is pronounced mm -hmm. initially. It's it's a ch sound. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in Spain, when I was there this past uh, month, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much stuff in X instead of the CH. They they use it so well and mm -hmm. so much. It makes so much sense. So you started your store, Guaraches. You started it when? That was... Uh, I started during the pandemic time, like on oh, the wow. 2019, okay. like December 2019, and then on 2020. And it was kind of crazy because you would think that pandemic times will make business a little bit slower. Right. But it was the opposite because everybody was at home, everybody was on their phone. And I think that was yes. part of my success. I used social media. Uh, I remember... I first posted it on Twitter because I was very active on Twitter. I'm not anymore. I'm getting older. <laughs> uh, and I posted saying... Yeah. Uh, I just started my business and talking a little bit more about it. And I think it was something, I wouldn't say revolutionary because artisanal clothing has been here for many years. I am yes. not the first one, but I think I am, will say that I am one of the first ones to bring it in a modern and sexy way. And I think that's what people caught, people 
They're like, well, I never seen this they before. They gravitate to yeah. that because it's different. Yeah. You don't feel like you're, um, have you ever been called out on like, you know, you're not keeping traditional clothing? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I figure that's going to be something that people are going to be like, oh, that's not traditional. Why are you like making it sexy? It's not sexy. It's indigenous. Yes, all the time. But, you know, times changes. Okay. You know, yeah. times changes just like evolution, you know. I feel like it's important to, and I, I'm going to touch people, you know, people might agree and I disagree, you know. No, that's fine, yeah. Uh, they're saying in Spanish, para gustos hay colores y para colores hay personas, ¿me entiendes? Every, everybody mm -hmm. has different tastes, and I think what I'm doing is keeping traditions alive, but catering to modern taste, you know. Yes. I believe that I'm a, I like to dress sexy, I like to, you know, I'm Latina, you yeah, know. Yeah, me too. Uh, and I don't think being <laughs> sexy should overshadow our power or like oh if you dress sexy people won't take you serious or like you know yeah. I get that a lot. I disagree with that as well like yeah. I feel I know I'm 47 I'm I'll be 50 very soon and I'm thinking I'm not gonna dress like a 50 year old woman I'm still gonna dress like I feel like dressing because I feel good and you I'm look good too <laughs> you know I have a 20 year old and I'm like yeah so what I'm uh, I feel good I feel happy I work on myself I work out I eat well I do everything that I love to do why am I supposed to look like an old lady whose whose rules are those exactly yeah. you know i love that that so you do get a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, backlash on that i'm yeah. guessing um i just move on i you know i listen to them but there's always going to be people talking saying but you know just move on do your thing and i think that's what people should do there's always going to be talk you mentioned <laughs> on your on your instagram that you your business is a fair trade Business. What does that mean? And tell us what that means for the people that are like interested in like shopping fair trade. Okay, that means that we work with a small group of artisans. Like we, okay, a lot of our cloning does include machine work. Yes, but uh, we work in regions of Chiapas and Oaxaca. Uh, so we have a main person that she's like our main produ production head that I talk to, and then since I am not able to travel there very often, she's the one that takes care of production. And she goes and look for people that live in very rural areas of Mexico. Okay. And they come into our sh on our production shop and they work for us. Um, fair trade, basically, you're you're you you are paying a fair trade. A fair wage. And you know, a lot of people is like, oh, I can buy that in Mexico for a uh, hundred pesos, which is five dollars, and I'm selling for fifteen. Right. right. Let's, let's say that. So it's just like. People sometimes overlook what goes behind a business, you know, paying them fairly, importation, you know, employees. Import taxes, yeah. Yeah, so I feel like even, you know, it's very bold to say, but like my margin of, um, how do you say this in English? Profitability. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, it's not really high, and I'm okay with that because I know my target um, market is Latinos, and Latinos sometimes relate artisanal clothing to a mercado. And what do you go mm -hmm. do to a mercado? Vas a regatear. How do you say that in English? Yeah, you go bargain shopping. Yeah, yeah. and so, like, we have mm. this... Uh, negotiate. You negotiate. The people negotiate. Or they're in like, our uh, culture. Yeah. So sometimes they feel they can do that, but you don't go negotiate yeah. with Nike. <laughs> no, or they Adidas. don't. So, they don't, uh, but I think... Yeah, for sure. That's a very good point. Yeah. I think they have that sense that they have to negociar. They have to, like, you know, negotiate with you and, and bring it down and bring it down, like, yeah. until you get to the to the point where, like, that poor 
artisan isn't making any money anymore. And that's yeah. unfair to them because yeah. a lot of time, number one, it's handcrafted, mm -hmm. which means it's their, their time and their effort. It's their skill sets, right? It's what um, their culture, what they're bringing into it. And I think every single piece has a story, you know? Yeah, no, like a lot of the clothing does not repeat. And I, we get that too uh, with a lot of our customers. We always try to write it down in our uh, description that a lot of the items are made in small batches. So like they hand draw, like they grab a piece of fabric and they dry with a white pencil and they start doing the flowers. And I, then uh, with a machine pedal, they go and they start drawing uh, the flowers. So it's not like computerized, you know, it's their imagination, what color they want to write it. It's very in the moment kind of thing, like. Inspired by by that moment right there. Yeah, like the art, you know, Got like it. art, when you know, like an artist yeah. is painting, it's them uh, with the embroidering. And a lot of our clothes are also hand embroidery, which takes hours, you know. And there's so many techniques that, you know, indigenous people use to make this clothing that it just blows my mind, you know? Yeah, of course. And there's a history behind it yeah. as well. Uh, not only the uh, the the hand the hand uh, crafted component, the fact that that person learned it years ago, probably from their parents and their parents from their parents. It's something that's been carried on for generations yeah. and maybe hundreds of years, yeah. to be honest. And you bring it to, to the masses, you bring it to Houston, you bring it to the United States. What is the reception? How are people liking your stuff? People love it. I, I am just, you know, when I started this, I was like, oh, you know, I, I was, well, I'm still a student. Uh, and I was like, uh, as long as I make uh, what I'm investing back, I'm okay. You know, I, I was not going with the highest expectation because we were always afraid of failing. So I was just like, okay, if I do just a little bit, it's fine. And people just went crazy. And yeah. I was, it just makes me so happy to look back and just realize how much they have accepted it. And wow, it's just incredible when, you know, our people unite and what they can do. So I'm thankful that a lot of people that helped me, people that didn't even know me, that, you know, it's just crazy to think how far we have come. No, and I think one thing that you did is you tapped into the young people's um need to connect to their culture yes. but not necessarily do it like the old traditional way they want to do it their way mm -hmm. which is what the podcast and what i've been talking about lately with people is like doing business your way mm -hmm. and i think that is something you tapped in as a young woman is you tapped into that 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 uh, nostalgia mm -hmm. that they have for their country and their parents countries and their you know abuelitas's countries they don't necessarily want to wear the traditional garb but they want something that represents their heritage Correct. Yeah, I, I think you worded just right. And I think that's important. Uh, people, we know a lot of our clients actually wear these dresses, not, not the most sexy one, but like the more, you know, body, how do you say Body it? conscious? Yeah, uh, one for like mm -hmm. um, their graduation in school. And that makes oh. me so happy whenever they tag me. <laughs> that's just amazing. On, on May, there was like so many people wearing uh, waraches. Oh, I went to the rodeo last year, oh, this year, uh -huh. and I saw Kitty Una, like, 10 people wearing waraches, yeah. and I was like, 
that's interesting that you mentioned that because the rodeo being a very Tejano thing, yeah. it's very Mexican. Tejanos are part of Mexico and the culture and the in South America and even Central America. Like yeah. we're all a part of this Tejano culture. So yeah, bringing this and even like when Selena was alive, she used to wear a lot of clothing that was very representative of her mm-hmm. and her culture and what she was. Yeah, I mean Latin culture is everywhere now. Like the clean girl aesthetics, <laughs> yes. come on, it's Latin, okay? So it's like, it. uh, have you heard okay. of the clean girl aesthetics? No, I need you to tell me what that so is. So it's like wearing your hair back, uh, having like the blouse that you're wearing, oh, kind of thing. Am I part of that now? A okay. little, yeah. So it's like a lot of like white people been wearing that. Oh. So like a lot of people on TikTok being like calling them out. Okay, tell me, cling. Clean girl aesthetic. Clean, clean, clean like, como limpia. Yeah, limpia. Yeah. <laughs> clean, okay, clean. Okay, ¿qué quiere decir clean? Like clean so makeup? Tienes tu pelo, no, tu pelo para atrás. Uh-huh. Like, a, like, or, like a ponytail. Ajá, Got unos it. aretitos. Siempre bien arreglada. And that, you mm, see, know, see, see. or like oh, there was a girl saying forever. That's been mean like for 30, 40 years now. There's this girl on TikTok <laughs> calling aguas frescas a spa water. <laughs> because she was making like uh, agua de limon like uh-huh. or chata or like hibiscus water which is jamaica oh and she's like i'm gonna teach you guys how to do spa water <laughs> and everybody came out like she was cancer right away that is not spa water that is aguas frescas <laughs> and somebody educated her yeah no everybody on tiktok went crazy <laughs> millions of people educated her that's interesting but see that's what i'm talking about that's the beautiful thing about young people and younger younger generations is that you guys are tapping in to things that are so creative so unique so different and saying you know what um you may call it spa water but that's not really what it is it's agua frescas and we know what it is because we grew up with this like you can't like fool us basically right like i love that about and the creativity you guys bring to the table i feel like our generation is full of so much powerful women like i love seeing what everybody's doing you know everybody's working every day like I follow all these people on social media, and I feel like social media is changing now. Back then, it was, like, a lot, like, influencer and very, like, uh, well, the people that I follow, at least, when I wake up and I look at social media, I see people that inspire me. Like, when some when I see someone that it's not bringing something to the table, it's bringing me down or comparing myself too much, yeah. I'm just, like... You disconnect. Yeah, and then I follow people that I actually... People that come from the same background as me, uh... And it just, you know, it makes me want to do better and be better, you know. And I'm glad that there's so many people just like me doing this, uh, doing things to motivate others. 